0: Hi there. Welcome to episode 23 of The Playground Project with me, your host, Tanya Pomerantz. As always, I'm completely delighted that you're here with me on The Playground today. And before we kind of jump into the episode, I just wanted to invite you to follow me on Instagram at puddlejumpcoaching001. And you know, Do that thing that people need to do so that the algorithm finds you and this and that. Go on to Apple podcast or Apple rate a podcast kind of deal, uh, please. And do that because that's the way that more people get to hear about this. And I get to talk to more people and we can share more stories on the playground. And honestly, that's just fun. So speaking of fun... I am beyond excited to introduce you to an incredible woman. Simply put, her name is Mona Abo, and she is one of the most inspiring women I have met in my life, and as you listen to this conversation on the playground today, I think you're going to feel the same way. She's incredible. So, welcome to this wonderful conversation. Welcome Mona Abo. I am absolutely thrilled, honored, and excited to have you on the playground with us today. And before we kind of continue, I'm just gonna put it into context, gonna say what your LinkedIn profile says about you, uh, and then kind of how we met. And then we can uh, go right into things. So here's what your profile says. Founder of the Boundless Mindset and the Change Maker Innovation Hub, mindset coach, business and brand strategist, mentor, workshop facilitator, host of the Boundless Mindset podcast. And what this doesn't say is how very inspiring beautiful calming and motivating you are and I'm so lucky our paths haven't actually crossed in the working together as of yet but being in the employment industry here in Ottawa they are you know we certainly have crossed paths like that and I'm just super thrilled welcome Mona
1: Thank you so much, Tanya. This means a lot to me. It really means a lot. And I'm looking forward to having this chat with you. I've heard about you even before we met. Um, I remember when you had your book launch and everybody was going there and everyone was like, oh, our friend Tanya is launching a book and we're going there. I'm like, oh my God, I want to meet this lady. So I'm so glad that it worked out and we ended up meeting and and
0: and just you know growing from there thank you for inviting me well thank you and i owe you a book i promised you i would get you a book and i'm excited friend. thank you, thank you. <laughs> so okay so on the playground we just kind of go straight into like high school because that's when things started percolating in mm-hmm. you know in our minds so my first question to you is What was high school like for you?
1: Actually, before I get into it, I just want to say I love your name, the name of your podcast, The Playground. It's so inspiring and also fun. Uh, It makes things lighthearted. So yeah, I just wanted to say that in terms of my high school, my high school journey was was really interesting. I came to Canada at that time. So I came to Canada as a teenager Mm. from Germany. Uh, But originally from, from Somalia, from East Africa, we lived in Germany for a few years before coming to Canada. My dad was working there in late 80s to early 90s. And then the war happened in Somalia. So... We couldn't go back home, so we ended up coming to Canada. We had some relatives who were in Canada, and they kind of just said, it's a good place to be, come join us. And so we came, we came all the way. I don't know why my parents chose to come this far, <laughs> but they came this far. And I was 16 when I came to, to Canada. I actually had my birthday at the border border town I think it was called it's called Fort Erie yeah yeah so that's where we submitted our asylum and we had to like wait there until we could get the go-ahead to move Mm -hmm. so I remember staying there we stayed at a motel They, they put you at a motel and so that's when like that's where my 16th birthday happened. And so mm-hmm. we ended up coming to Toronto, just passing through Toronto, and we came to ottawa and so that's where my high school journey started. I remember starting grade ten, really, not knowing anybody, and my English was not too bad because I used to love American movies and rap songs, so I used to, <laughs> that helped me a lot actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember my ESL teacher saying, your English is pretty good. So yeah, my my high school journey was one uh, that was filled with adjustments and getting used to a new place and just navigating. At that time, in the early 90s, there were not a lot of immigrants in the school system. Mm. So we were kind of like a trial and error. They didn't know what to do with us. (laughs) Mm. But yeah, it, it was mainly positive, but I had to navigate and adjust and kind of, you know, find my way when there weren't a lot of guidance available at the time because we were really new. What high school was it? I went to a couple of high schools. I started with Lester B. Pearson first, which is a Catholic high school. We went there for a year and then I ended up coming to Richmond, Richmond High School.
0: Okay, that's my neck of the woods.
1: Oh yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we used to live nearby. We used to live um, Alta Vista and small city, a small sorry, small street that intersected. I can't even remember, but behind that plaza,
0: um, yeah, okay. we're, we're, we were at a walking distance to the school. Excellent, excellent. And I've got to tell you, I understand to some extent what you're talking about because when my parents and I moved to Singapore, I knew no one. And I was, I was 15 and just starting a whole new journey. So I can, I can appreciate that it it wasn't an easy kind of thing, trying to navigate a whole new, Mm -hmm. a whole new world, quite honestly. Yeah, absolutely. And also like your parents don't know any
1: better either. They're still navigating too. And so Mm -hmm it's like you're settling all at the same time. So it was like, they couldn't really give us the support that we needed because they didn't know either. So they they were busy really just finding a place to live and finding a job and, you know, Mm. that stuff. And also the culture is very different. Like back home, you send kids to school and you kind of, that's it, right? But in Canada, you have to be a little bit more involved. And mm-hmm. I feel like my parents didn't really understand that. they They just thought, you know, send them to school, and that's mm-hmm. good enough. But yeah, there was it wasn't easy to understand, okay, how many courses do I need to graduate? How do I pass courses? What supports are there for me? and And I remember even the guidance teachers were not like they were not. They didn't understand, like, you know, you you came grade 10. Do I now go back and finish my grade nine? And so it was like. We never knew what direction to go. And some teachers were supportive, but some were like, "Uh, we're not sure if you're going to make it. (laughs) Oh, Uh, Yeah, I mean, I remember this particular, I liked English. For some reason, I really liked English and I actually did well in English. And so I ended up getting C at the end of, I think it was end of grade 10. And Mm -hmm. I remember seeing my guidance counselor and telling her, Yeah, I was expecting a better grade. Uh, I like English and then going into the exam, I had a better grade. She just looked at me in a matter of fact kind of way. And she's like, but that's what you always get, isn't it? And that really like broke me at that moment. And I was like, what? Like, and as a child, you don't really have the language to understand mm-hmm. that you don't have the language to even like unpack what happened. It made me just, it made me feel small mm-hmm. and really not know if I had the potential to do better, you know? So I felt like, okay, she's right. Maybe like I don't, I, I can't get better than C, you know? And so I think, yeah, that, that left me feeling a little bit defeated in the education system. I felt that from that moment on, like something turned off in me, although there were parts in in the school system that I enjoyed. Yeah, but that moment stands out. And I always remember, I I remember the feeling at that moment.
0: Yeah, Yeah. it's amazing how powerful these comments can be that, that you can remember them from that age. My eyebrow was raised like, what? Yeah. What gave her the right to say anything like that? Exactly.
1: Exactly. It's it's just like sometimes we don't know the power our words hold, mm-hmm. right? We we use them loosely, especially when you are in position of power and privilege, right? People yeah. like have to be careful when you're when when you're in that position. Everything you say matters to who you're speaking with and has a weight mm-hmm. that carries. Yeah. And how you say it too. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's what makes a difference. Like you could have said the same
0: thing, but in a loving and kind way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man. So when you were in high school, you said you, you enjoyed some parts of it. Do you remember mm-hmm. the, the subjects that you felt apart from English that you felt drawn to? Yeah. So I liked
1: English. I liked history. I liked sports too. I liked gym. I liked playing basketball. And I liked co-op too. And funny mm-hmm. story, I took co-op and I was like, the teacher asked me, so what are you interested in? What, what kind of field? And I'm like, oh, I want to help people. I want to work in organizations that help people. And do you know where I was placed? You'll never guess. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Cecil. So. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. Really? Osiso was small at that time, and I think they were somewhere on Wellington. I think even you're you're on Wellington now, but it was, I mean, I could find out where you were at the time, but it was more like a school, second floor or something. Yeah, it was a small organization, but I was placed in in Osiso to do my co-op. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed like the work that they were doing. I was their little helper taking the minutes and things like that. That's cool. a fun fact.
0: <laughs> That's a neat fun fact. I, yeah. I like that. So, I mean, first of all, I'm a big, huge proponent of co-op. Mm-hmm. I think more students should take advantage of it. And I also hope that in time, the way that people view co-op uh, mm-hmm. changes because people can look down on it. And I think that that has a lot of negative implications for our students and the way that they grow up and develop into young people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. So there you were. Did you know what you were gonna do after you graduated
1: I didn't know for sure like I knew I wanted to be working with people uh, and helping people that's sort of that was always my thing but I didn't know how I was gonna do it I wasn't sure if I was gonna get into university and and get into the program that I was interested in even though I didn't know what program I was gonna go into but just Even finishing high school was daunting at the time. Mm -hmm. And like I said, we were new. We didn't see a lot of kids like us in the school that were graduating. We're kind of all in the same place. It's weird. It's a weird age because you're not little enough to kind of start here. You've you've already built your personality. You've made some connections wherever you came from. And so I wasn't sure if I was going to finish high school i didn't see like kids from the same background as me that were on track to finishing so i knew i wanted to be involved in work that related to helping people uh but i wasn't sure honestly i wasn't sure like i was doubtful if i was gonna finish high school but i ended up thankfully i ended up finishing
0: (laughs) well i would say thankfully but also um Probably very deservedly. You probably worked really you. hard. Were you, so it was you, your parents. Did you have a big family? Uh, it
1: was me, my my parents, my sister who's older than me, and my brother who's younger than me. So I'm I'm in the middle. In the middle. Okay. Yeah. And was everybody at the same high school? Yes. My brother was actually at middle school because he was a little bit younger than me. He was in grade eight or grade seven, and my sister was in the same high school yeah and she she struggled too even though like back home she was a like a gifted student I was kind of like the dreamer you know the kid who's always daydreaming who needs like you that needs to be pulled back, back to <laughs> <earth>. <laughs> but she was very um very ac- academic and so when she came here she actually didn't do so well because she felt a lot of homesick homesickness she she missed her friends because she was older than me and so she had a bit more established social um circle right so it was hard for her to start over here and so there was a disconnect she didn't do well but she we both ended up graduating but it wasn't a smooth journey in high school on the academic side on the social side i was happy i had friends you know i was like carefree. A uh, happy-go-lucky type of a kid. Mm-hmm. So on the social side, I actually enjoyed it. It wasn't it wasn't bad at all. It was just the academic side that I felt like, oh my god, do I have what it takes to finish all these courses and
0: graduate? And you did. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, you and I did. So, so then, what happens after you graduate from Richmond? What do you do? So I
1: graduated from Richmond, and actually, my last year. I ended up meeting my kids' dad. So the father of my kids and my ex. Okay. We we met in Richmond like last year. Actually we, we met like he was there, but we just ended up having something going on. <laughs> we 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 just happened to be on similar interests and things like that. We happened to be in the same circle and so I ended up dating. Mm-hmm. But then at that time, I also became religious. Mm. Yeah, I became right. religious at the time. I started on my 17th birthday. I started wearing hijab. I became religious because I found, even though we were, were always practicing Muslim, but we were not really, we were not very practicing. Like my mom didn't wear hijab, but we all we were observant Muslims. We just didn't practice that much outwardly. Right. Uh, but But around that time, I kind of, I needed a sense of belonging uh, and Mm -hmm. direction, right? Because as a teenager, you want to belong and you want to be part of something, right? And so I kind of rediscovered Islam at at that period and wanted to be more practicing. So I started wearing hijab my 17th birthday around that time. And everyone at the school were like, oh, what happened to the hip-hop queen? (laughs) And they all like had bets against me saying, oh my gosh, she's going to take it off. She's going to go back to her old self, give her like a month. But I actually found Islam to be very peaceful and in line with what I was looking for at the time. And. I, I that was my journey. I started practicing Islam a bit more, and my ex was also rediscovering. And so that's why we were in the same circles. And um, you know, in Islam, there's if you are really practicing, there's no like dating. You know, what I mean, they have to, mm-hmm. they're, they're only marriage, right? So we actually ended up getting married right after high school. Okay. Yeah, right after high school, we got married, and partly it was because. I didn't have a plan. Mm -hmm. I always say, I always say like, uh, when in doubt, just get married. (laughs) Just get married. sure. (laughs) That was was my young person thinking, (laughs) right? So I didn't know what I was going to get into university. I didn't really see a clear path for me. And then there was this person that we met and we kind of connected and we wanted to you know continue together so because we were both practicing we wanted to get married and start a family but we were kids we didn't know what we were doing he was like a year older than me we were like
0: playing house (laughs) we're playing house yep yeah, so that's that's what happened after high school. <laughs> and so, how long did the house playing go for?
1: Actually, for a long time. So we we got married. I started having kids right away. Like even before my first year anniversary, I had my son, my my firstborn. Oh. And then two years later, I had my middle child, uh, Sophia. My son's name is Moad. Then I had two years later, I had Sophia, and a year and a half, I had later, I had. Kadra, which you met at the, at the graduation she was the mc beautiful um, <laughs> so i had them back to back and i made the decision to be stay at home mom during that time and i stayed home with them until kadra actually went to kindergarten okay and yeah but there was always going back to school and finishing my degree was always something that was important to me. And I felt that was it was an unfinished business, something I needed to go back and do for myself. So yeah, when Kadra started kindergarten, I ended up going back and doing my business uh, management marketing degree. But the, the house playing lasted for about 17 years. 17 years! That's a lot of yeah. uh, house playing. House playing. It's wow. extended. Extended. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, we just we ended. I think it was around 2014 around well, that time. But the marriage was really like deteriorating for a long time. We kind of just grew apart. We're kids. We haven't had the chance to be ourselves. And we kind of just drifted off. And for about 10 years, I think we tried to make it work on and off, on and off. And in the end, it had to be you know let's end this thing. It's not working. <laughs>
0: Well, good for you for making that decision and and moving forward. Then mm-hmm. that's good, and that happens. But I'm I'm seeing that you went you went to Carlton. Yes, I went to Carleton. in 2000. So I'm looking and I'm thinking I'm substantially older than you, Mona, because I graduated from Carlton in 92. Okay. Oh wow! You 92
1: is when I I was in high school at the time.
0: See what I'm saying. <laughs>
1: Yeah but you you look really like very youthful. I don't know. Don't don't tell people your age cuz you look really young. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's very sweet, but you know what? I absolutely say that I'm 53 because you know, it's weird getting older is odd mm. and there's a shift in consciousness.
1: Yeah, that, absolutely. that happens.
0: So I always say that the 40s are a phenomenal decade. I loved the 40s. Absolutely. The 50s are interesting. Okay. Interesting in a good way interesting with my eyebrow raised. I haven't figured it out, but (laughs) it's still early in it. That's why I am. I am. But I, you know, every, uh, every day is a gift, you know, in my little gratitude journal, when they say, what are you grateful for? Health is, Mm -hmm. is the Mm -hmm. fundamentally, and then I'm seeing that you went to Dawson college. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, because we lived in Montreal. My ex was working there. So for some time, we lived in, in Montreal. And that's when I actually like started slowly transitioning to going back to school. Yeah, And
0: so you went to Carleton, you got your degree, and then you went to college. May I say that this is my absolute favorite combination of education. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I took psychology in Carlson. And then I was always interested in business. So when I went to Boston, that's
0: where I studied was business marketing. Yeah, And that makes a lot of sense to get to you to where you are now. Everything is kind of making sense in my brain right now. Which is very cool. So then my next question is, what does your career look like? My career currently or getting to this point? Getting to this point. Yeah. So I
1: started my career journey late. So I ended up doing psychology, but I didn't work until my youngest actually went to kindergarten, which was around 2003 or 2004. Around that time, that's when I went back to Dawson to do business. And then three years later, I graduated and ended up doing placements and things like that. Started working in the business entry-level work, like HR and Mm. positions like that. And then I ended up working at the Y in 2020. I think it was 2013. The funny thing is, when I was job searching... One of those years, I think it was 2011 or something like that. Between jobs, I came to Employment Ontario side at, at the like the Wise Center downtown as a job seeker. And so I remember being in one of the employment consultants, I, liking the job and thinking, "Oh my goodness, I would love to do this type of a job." Mm-hmm. I remember thinking that, and I remember thinking, "I think I would do a better job than she's doing." <laughs> <laughs> That does not surprise me, my dear. (laughs) And and, and the reason why I thought was I didn't feel like she really connected with me. I feel like she was going through the motions. Like here I was vulnerable, looking for work and looking for guidance. And her approach was really just going through the checklist. Yeah. And I I didn't feel seen at that moment. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: that's why I felt like thinking, oh, my God, if I was in this position, I would really empower the people that I'm working with. I would see them and not just give them what they came for, but give them what they could get from this experience. So I think two or three years later, I ended up applying for a job developer, a job at the Y, and I ended up getting it. Uh, I ended up getting a Merrill Center Mm -hmm. position. And within two years, I really accelerated my growth and ended up being the director of the employment services there and yeah it was really fast I jokingly said to my senior director when I became a director I told her you know I've been to every office in this center um your office is the only office I haven't been to like I haven't (laughs) and then then she laughed she laughed and she said are you coming for my job now but I was just joking but it so turns out that she ended up she moved to downtown and I ended up taking her office because I was there most of the time and she's like okay go take my office oh, uh, but all that to say is my although I was late in my career journey I was able to accelerate because of my lived experience and mm-hmm. my age I was a more mature at that time I was a single mom. I went through a divorce. I went back to school. I, you know, I started like everything that I went through in life yeah, immigration. Yeah. Um, all that helped me in my journey, in my career journey. So I was able to relate to our clients at that deeper level. I knew what they were going through. Um, I was able to relate to my team and support them. I actually considered them to be my bosses rather than my actual boss. <laughs> So I just had that maturity and a little bit more uh, human experience, lived experience mm-hmm. to add value to my career. And that's something that we often neglect in our career development. And when we're supporting clients, we kind of focus on professional mm-hmm. experience and we we don't often value as much life experience and how that could actually support our career
0: journey. Yeah. And it also didn't help because I too was Employment Ontario. And I can remember when it was decided that people, clients, Mm -hmm. were described as service units. Mm. And that is what sealed the deal for me. I could not work in in a place where people were described as service units. And one of my biggest things in life is that I want people to find value from anything Mm -hmm. they do with me. When they're listening to the podcast, when they're reading my book, when they're talking with me, it's value. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I know about you is also your level of emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. is really, really high. And that translates into you being a leader, not just a director or a manager or a supervisor. You are a leader. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I I do. Like, I always saw
1: my role as support. I always saw my role, like, I'm here for you. I'm here for you as my team. I'm here for you as clients. And I'm here for you just to empower you because I know you know what to do. Like I'm not Mm -hmm. here to tell you what to do. You know what to do. My job is just whether you're a client and coming in feeling a bit defeated and able to find your way to help you see the potential to see the gifts that are within you. And then from there, you, you find like you create your path. And for my team too, that was always the case. I'm here to empower you. I'm here to make your job easier. I'm not here to micromanage. I fully trust you are the expert. I'm just here to
0: support very wonderful and refreshing and i i like that and here here's a question because the whole the whole thing is the playground project purpose plan pivot so mm-hmm. you find your purpose in life you create a plan to live according to that and then uh-oh life happens and you have to pivot mm-hmm. so my question to you is how were you able to find your purpose so i'm one of those people that
1: I can't just do a job for the sake of a job. (laughs) I have to really wake up and feel like what I'm doing is aligning with me. When I was working at the Y, I I was there for about seven years. I left in 2019. So yeah, during that time, every year was like, I'm excited to do this work. I'm excited to support the team, all that, the work, right? It was meaningful. I enjoyed it. but. One thing that was also important to me was financial security. Mm-hmm. That that was important to me. And also independence, right? To be able to not depend on a job and to be able to say, I have my own thing, right? So that was always happening, even though I, I loved my job and I loved the team and the work and all of it. In the background, I was always thinking, as a single mom you're always kind of day to day your paycheck to paycheck right and and i felt i didn't have enough i was it was scarce it was always it was always like not enough right so i wanted to get out of there and and not just depend on the paycheck as as income and you know in the social service sector the pay is pretty pretty low so yes. <laughs> so i was like okay what else can i do and so I started doing multiple side hustles in addition to my day job. So that kind of picked up one side hustle after another, and I kind of saw my side hustles as okay. So every week there's pay, there, there's money coming in, right? So I'm good. Like I, I'm not just waiting for one paycheck. I'm diversifying my income right. streams. Yeah, but then it was also exhausting because they were not related like each of my side hustle was different from the other so it's like i was doing interior decorating i was doing airbnb management i was doing yeah networking events so i was doing three things on top of my day job that were all unrelated and required actually time you know it wasn't like i was sleeping and making money and so I didn't understand those concepts of building a brand that could have multiple income streams. Like now you you, you wrote a book which is an income stream but you're also doing a podcast which supports the book which all helps to grow the brand, right? It's all related mm-hmm. under the same umbrella. So you're doing one thing it supports the other. And so I didn't have that concept. I thought I have to work hard to make money. I have to hustle. I see people doing side hustles here and there and I would think, okay, let me try that. Let me do this. But then, as I was sharing in in my talk um, on Friday, I just hit a point where I was too tired. I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, I was making a little bit more money, but what I was giving up was not worth it. And the money that I was making was not sustainable. It really depended on me putting in the time and the effort week after week after week, right? So one day, I just like my body just said, "No, <laughs> we're not doing this. It was just I'm too exhausted." So that's when I took a step back and, and realized, okay, you know, you're working hard, you're trying, but something is not working. Something is not like, it's like you're hitting a wall and mm-hmm. the wall is right in front of you. You're so close to it. You can't see what's around it. You need to step back to kind of get mm-hmm. a big, a better view. Yeah. So I started stepping, pausing and just taking time to understand what do I want? out of life right like I'm doing a lot of things but what space do I want to occupy like what legacy do I want to leave behind what what means the world to me like if I could do anything and there was no limitation what would I be doing and for me it was always helping other people to get to their potential like supporting that growth that was always like That's what I'm doing no matter whether I'm working or at the park talking to someone. I'm always thinking about, oh, how can you find the best job? How can you create the best business for yourself? So, yeah, I ended up doing a vision board. And that's when I allowed myself to think big and think without limitation and see a potential that I didn't see before. Um. Um, yeah and for someone like me who is a single mom and you know comes from immigrant family who doesn't really have a trust fund right i have to i i'm the breadwinner for mm-hmm. my stuff, my kids, and also for my extended family too, who kind of see me as the one that has a stable income, right? So, you know, I ended up taking a life coaching course and and became a certified coach while I was still working. And so after I I created that vision board, I wasn't sure how it was going to unfold, but I just let it unfold. So the Mm -hmm. coaching thing was calling me. So I did that certification I ended up hiring a business coach to help me. Hey, I, I want to be a life coach. I want to be a business coach. How can I do it? And she's like, okay, yeah, we can work on that. When do you want to quit your job? And at the time I was like, I don't know, maybe five years. Uh, I, I Like for me, quitting my job was, was so scary. I had to see the money in the bank before I could do it, right? So I was like, it's not going to happen because I have kids who depend on me. But then, after working with her six months after that conversation, I ended up quitting my job. That pivoting. must have been
0: a very powerful conversation.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't the conversation. It was it, it was a transition. Like I couldn't I couldn't quit my job, right? So from there on, though, I was working on my business and creating a space for my business and for my vision mm-hmm. to grow and to come to life, right? So mm-hmm. after doing that regularly, it just became so big that the quitting the job was just something I had to do. You know what I mean? I just got to that point. So it, it, it was really creating that space and creating the space for the vision and prioritizing the vision on my day to day that when I got to that point, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm ready. I have to quit my job because it was more painful to stay than to leave at that point.
0: hmm. So everything else, the coaching possibilities and potential became larger Mm -hmm. than what the job was for you.
1: Absolutely. It felt like I was holding myself back from what I could be. Like every day there felt a step back for me, that I was squeezing myself into like Mm -hmm. clothes that didn't fit anymore. And it felt like I'm not happy. I don't want to be here like, you know what I mean? I, and I realized when you are a leader, that's not the energy I wanted for my team. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I wanted to be my best self for them. And yep. so I didn't want to be those people that are just there for the paycheck while their mind and, and heart is somewhere else. Right. So I didn't want to do disservice to to them and to myself, so quitting was weight off my shoulders, and I felt like, yes, okay, now I can focus on
0: what I really want to do. Mm. And so I'm deviating from my questions because I'm I'm just intrigued at how you were able to make this leap from that paycheck to paycheck business to now your sole source of income. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it was, and um, I ended up. Like I said, I ended up spending time and, and building the business, and it became more important to me than anything else. So I ended mm-hmm. up making sacrifices so that I could yeah. leap, right? So money was not an issue for me until the period where I was building my business. I ended up making sacrifices that allowed me to do that. And and one of that was selling my house. I ended up selling my house and downsizing so that I could fund my own business and take time, take time to work on my business. And to be honest, yes, I like the house and everything, but then the house is a house and you can always buy another house, right? You don't want the house to be a glorified prison, right? And so I, I saw that, like, whatever you have now, you created You had the vision, you put in the steps, you created And now you have a bigger vision and you're ready to put in the steps to create it. If you're not willing to let go something good for something better, then you'll stay that, at that good place, right? And as time goes, that good place would no longer be good enough for you because you're, you're, you're stuck there. You know what I mean? you're you're stuck there. So I didn't want my house to be a prison because I have to pay the mortgage and all that to be the thing that holds me from my dream, from my vision. So I actually saw my house as my freedom. I -hmm. saw the, the, the house to be the freedom that gave me the funds to launch my business and to take
0: time to start my business. Wow. You know, I watch Shark Tank a lot. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the things that they talk about. Like, what are you willing to sacrifice? And wow, that's a pretty intense sacrifice. But I can Mm -hmm. understand very, very well about how that glorified prison. And if you could sell that, you'd be able to fund your future. Exactly. And my kids were
1: a bit older at that time. They were all in university. So it wasn't really like it wasn't as if they were in school, you know what I mean? And I was mm-hmm. lifting them all from there. They were older, they could transition with me. So, and they were very supportive and kind and they understood why I was doing that. And they learned too, through that process that now it's important for them to follow their dreams too. And it's not just something I say, they see me practice. Wow, um, yeah.
0: Your model, mm-hmm. A wonderful role model for them. So so a couple more questions. I love these these questions. Um, not just because I made them up, but because they really kind of speak to what makes you tick. What are your top three values?
1: Mm, that's interesting. One is freedom. Really. Mm. Freedom to do what I want. I I want to always feel free to do exactly what I want. uh, And I don't care what anybody says. So I want to have that sense of freedom. So that's not non-negotiable for me. Authenticity is very important too. I, I have, and as I get older, I feel like I have really like zero tolerance for not being authentic within myself. Like I shouldn't even say tolerance, but I should say capacity to be- yes. Yeah, I, I can't. I just like everything within me shows when I'm not in the right place doing the right thing. My body, my spirit, my energy are very like it's very obvious. So authenticity is important to make sure that I'm aligning with who I am and what I want to do. I don't know another. I I think there's so many. Mm-hmm. There's so many values. I think I think being graceful. I don't know if that that the yeah. value? Grace, yeah. Yeah, grace. Grace is very important to me. I feel like I want to embody that no matter what. Some, some situations are difficult, but I, I want to do everything in, in, a, in a way that's graceful. And also that gives other people grace too. Mm-hmm.
0: And I know being the authentic person that you are. And I think honestly, the older that I get, the more I attract into my life. Inspiring, strong, amazing women like yourself, and I think that part of it is that sense of truly being who you are,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: knowing who you are, appreciating who you are—you uh, know, the the good, the bad, the ugly—all of that kind of stuff. But just having that sense of self-awareness is really, I think, crucial. And I think that you could come up with probably another fifty mm-hmm. values that are important to you. And but it's interesting because this is something that usually people will give to, and then it'll either be, Oh man, this is hard, or Oh, I could keep going. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's where you would be the I could keep going. But that brings us to the end of our chat. And my last question to you is, and I really can't wait to hear, do you have a favorite? Motivation, motivational quote, or words that you live by.
1: Yeah, I think one that comes to mind is I I love quotes. I feel like I'm quotes queen, and the one that I I really like helps me and helps my my clients and the cohort is really to remember that room is code. Like what you what you seek is also seeking you. So. All that you desire, it's the more you do it, the more you're able to attract. So it's it's really what you're meant to do in this world, and it's always there to call you and push you. And that's why, like our our dream never goes away, right? We we see it all the time. It, it shows up. So it's seeking us. Our dream is also seeking us. So what you seek is also seeking you. That's what the quote that comes to mind right now.
0: I love it. And that is actually the second Rumi quote that somebody on the playground has shared. Uh, the first one is, in this earth, in this soil, in this pure field, let's not plant any seed other than seeds of compassion and love.
1: Mm. Yeah, he's, he's phenomenal. He I really is. I love all his
0: quotes. Yeah. yeah, I'm falling in love with him. I don't know. Do young people know about Rumi?
1: I think so. I think he's becoming sort of a social media star. <laughs> 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 I always see his quotes up on social media. And I think they may not know a lot about him, but I, I'm sure they've seen their, his quotes on, on social
0: media somewhere. Mm. they're certainly going to see him on my Instagram page because I keep, I I'm going to share that quote. I really like that.
1: I have Uh, to follow you. Do I follow you on? on
0: I think you do. Okay. Nice. I think, I think you do. It's puddle jump zero zero one. Tag me if I, when, when, okay, I will tag, you know, one of the things that I've learned in life is, you know, I really love the true colors and personality dimensions and stuff. And, It feels to me that when you have two people who operate from the blue, from emotion, um, from wanting to make the world a better place, when blue people connect, it's like there's this explosion, well, of blue, quite honestly, (laughs) of, of emotion and optimism and positivity and I just love it, and I think that that's part of the, the, you know, the whole getting older thing, and understanding what makes us tick. When you can surround yourself with, with people like we talked about, when you find your people, hold uh-huh. them, hold them close. Uh-huh. They're a gift, absolutely, and you're a gift, my friend. Oh Thank my God you so much for this. It was absolutely wonderful, and I can't wait for the opportunity to just sit in our blueness together. And you've got <laughs> you've got such orange too, the, that need for freedom. Thank, Thank you. Thank
1: you. Thank you so much, Tanya. This was a pleasure. I'm honored to be on the podcast. I love these conversations because they're very heart to heart. And I just feel like I feel privileged to have the space to share these moments with you. So I appreciate you. Um, I thank you for giving me this opportunity, and I look forward to us getting to know each other more. I look yeah. forward to reading your book. And, yes, <laughs> and more blue and and whatever colors. moment. Yes,
0: we'll let's yeah. we'll, we're just gonna paint the world all we're sorts gonna of beautiful colors. Exactly,
1: yeah. exactly. Uh, and we'll we'll bring Sonia with us, and she can paint her unicorn colors everywhere.
0: Oh. <laughs> yes, beautiful Sonia, the beautiful Tatanisha. I'm telling you, the the women are just are just phenomenal. Incredible. And finally, you know, grinning ear to ear right now. And thanks for hanging out with me, with us on the playground today and um sharing your your journey with us. It's it's wonderful.
1: My pleasure. I'll come back soon. Hope to come
0: back soon if you'll have me. <laughs> I'll have you for sure. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. Thanks, Mona. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you so much, Mona, for sharing your career and life story. During our conversation, we learned of Mona's journey to Ottawa and the challenges of being a child of new immigrants who were doing their best to navigate a, a new life in an entirely new country. She spoke of the teachers who supported her and the one who questioned her ability to succeed. Mona shared with us how she transitioned from high school to playing house and how she eventually became a single parent of three kids. She spoke of her academic training, which took some time, and how she created her life as the director of the Y Employment Services. She shared the difficulty and realities of having numerous side hustles and the ultimate exhaustion her body felt. She told us about the sacrifices she made along the way, like selling her home, which actually offered her the freedom to pursue her dream of helping people reach their entrepreneurial and life goals. Her motivational quote is by Rumi, What you seek is seeking you. It has inspired her to go after her dream and create the Changemaker Innovation Hub, the ultimate resource hub for all Black entrepreneurs in Ottawa. I have heard such amazing things about Mona over the years and getting to have a chat with her on the playground is just the beginning. Thanks so much for being part of it. Please remember to follow me on Instagram at puddlejumpcoaching001 and get ready for next week's chat on the playground. I think I am the luckiest woman in the world to be surrounded by such an amazing community. Please join me on the playground next week for another fabulous career chat with an awesome mystery guest, wishing you a week filled with freedom, authenticity, and grace. Until next week, when we will jump into the future together.